0: Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we have our friend PC Gaming uh, Thai Show for GameSpeed, <laughs> Rowan Kaiser, Grand Vizier. <laughs> All right, making note of that, I'm going to nail it next week. Don't worry about it. All right. Uh, we also welcome back our friend freelance writer Fraser Brown. Hello. And finally, we have joining for the first time a freelance writer and noted subterfuge troll, Nick Capazzoli. <laughs>
1: I, we are in subterfuge right now. I hope you know that
0: like <laughs> so I, N- I used to think subterfuge ended uh but uh the the two nicks of my subterfuge experience have disabused me of that notion uh subterfuge is a way of life without any uh boundaries uh the magic circle is the globe
1: oh yeah, uh Nix is listening to this, so uh he's you know he can decide whether or not this represents an alliance or if I'm playing you or you know where from from there so yeah. Uh, so
0: this week we're going to be talking about Shadow Tactics. A and let's uh, pa- pause for a moment here uh, while I take this description on. A pausable real-time tactical stealth game from Mimimi Productions and published by Datalik. Uh, so Nick, I, I think uh, we'll lead off with you since 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 you're the guest and you were. Visibly enjoying the game on Twitter and sort of uh, posting pictures of your exploits and and various murders (laughs) uh, Which coincided nicely with the fact this one uh, this month's patreon backer poll and so uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what shadow tactics is and uh, sort of what makes it noteworthy in your eyes?
1: Uh, It's probably the first time I've been accused of visibly enjoying something Uh, well, okay, so it's a, uh, isometric, uh, strategy game, um, set in Feudal Japan. Uh, you have your small set of characters that you're gonna kind of work your way through the levels with, and, uh, stealth-based, you have enemies with their cones of vision, uh, very Metal Gear Solid style, um, and you're gonna work your way through there, take them down, and try to get to your objective to, you know, and get out safe with, in theory, all of your crew intact at the end of it.
0: Yeah, and so what about this game clicked, clicked for you uh, in particular?
1: I think a good strategy game is probably going to be like a, a knot that you have to untangle. And uh, this game does a good job of making it so that every single um, problem that you have to solve with, you know, uh, navigating enemy cones of vision and getting them out of the picture so that they can't spot you is going to be a thing where you can take a little bit away from it each time. You know, choke a guy out, uh, cut his throat, hide him in a bush, you know, move I, forward. I,
0: I tried to do the uh, non-lethal thing a little bit and choke people out uh, quite a bit to start out, but I discovered it was like uh, hitman rules. Uh, if you do not kill someone, they're just going to like wake back up later and just like trash uh your entire your entire run uh so i started learning the lesson that uh you know the only good Witness uh, is a dead witness, uh, which I, I'm curious if that if that's going to come back and bite me. Uh, Fra- Fraser, you uh, you were very effusive about this one. Uh, you you actually departed from your usual seven out of ten scoring uh, <laughs> and took a stand uh, with this game. So uh, <laughs> I'm curious uh, what what about, what was it about Shadow Tactics uh, that that made you decide that this is no unequivocally a good game that Fraser, Bra- Bra- Fraser Brown is going to stand behind.
2: I like that you don't think that 7 out of 10 is, like, standing behind it. Literally. Oh, I know. I thought that was a good game.
3: <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> it, it is when it's Robe 2, but not in the good way.
2: So, yeah, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of Shadow Tactics. Um, I liked it so much that instead of giving it a 7, I gave it 92, which is many numbers more. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, and you might be wondering why we've we've been going on in this conversation for like three four minutes and nobody's mentioned Commandos. It's because neither Nick or Rupp have actually played Commandos, but that's why. Okay, let me tell you, I... What's I... phony about Commandos. Okay, here, <laughs> here's phony.
0: Yeah, yeah. Commandos is bullshit, and I'm gonna tell you why. This never happened in the war. Pretty much. <laughs> like, look, are you gonna tell me for for serious that like a, an SAS commando or like a resistance fighter? Could like work a sniper rifle, or drive a car, or use a knife, but not all at once. Like, what's that about? Like, you're telling me these are the like, you know, the cream of the crop of World War II commandos, and each one can only do like one thing halfway decently. They didn't have great training. Sorry, did, did, there there was we a rush. did we
3: invite TJ onto the show?
0: Rob's <laughs> really angry about the lore here. <laughs> I'm just saying that that game was an insult to Christopher Lee.
2: But so basically that's, I mean, that was what initially grabbed me about Shadow Tactics is that it really is commandos, or, or there's Desperados as well, which was also excellent. Um, it really captures that intricate puzzle feeling of each, uh, in each mission. And I think what's quite weird about it is it really does teach you to be great at dealing with failure and just swallowing your pride and going at it again and again and again and again until you finally nail that mission, because it is not an easy game. It's all about being able to read enemy patterns, predict where they're going to be and where you're going to be when they're there. And you can't do that until you've gone through the majority of the level. So you're really breaking them down into these sections. You've got one obstacle, and that's all you're really interested in until you've maybe snuck into a wagon or snuck behind a rock or assassinated a guy that's standing on top of a cliff, watching the one road that you need to get through. And then once you do that, you can breathe a sigh of relief and then approach the next obstacle. And each map has Dozens of these very discrete, distinct uh, puzzles that you have to overcome. And it can be very tiring. I don't even want to think about how many arrows I put into each individual mission. Uh, The amount of reloading I had to do. But that's just part of the game. It's learning to accept failure over and over again. And I, I guess maybe one of the reasons I like it is I have, like, i don't know stockholm syndrome maybe
3: i mean no this is this is how the game is designed and this is what i think is most interesting about Shepard yeah. tactics is that you know when we talk about the tactical game boom of the last few years you know the central game in it is xcom xcom i don't think has ever figured out how to deal with whether you should be saving or reloading right um, one of the best XCOMs like is Darkest Dungeon. Darkest Dungeon very clearly has an answer that says, uh, you're not saving and reloading. You have one save. This entire game is balanced around one save. You mess up, you mess up, you're done with those characters. But we'll give you a cushion so you can rebuild if you need to. Shadow Tactics takes the opposite. It says, no, you're going to be reloading constantly. The entire game is built around save scumming. It- says, yeah, this thing is hard, you're going to be experimenting, messing up, and trying to do it again. Um, So, like, at the start of each level, it gives you a loading screen that says, this loading screen is going to be on the screen forever. (laughs) It hasn't crashed, trust us. Um, And that's because it's trying to get the entire level in the memory so that your saves and reloads can be pretty much instant. Yeah, Just having those things be instant suddenly turns save scumming into something that's like oh this is just how it's supposed to go um it's kind of like how Vlambeer does, or uh, super meat boy does their platformers where you die and you just press a button and you're back in the game immediately um it it makes failure not you know you suck but yeah you're gonna fail go for it again have fun
2: it doesn't feel like a punishment, does it? It's like, well, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. The game knew this was going to happen. This is just how you play. If you can get through a mission without dying, you've probably played this game a lot already. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't feel like you've actually really cocked up. That's just how it's designed. Um, and actually, in fa- the failure can be fun because actually failing teaches you how to get past this obstacle. It's clear why you failed. Don't do it again. Do something else. You're kind of eliminating potential solutions. Uh, because it's all very tightly scripted. Everything has a pattern. And it doesn't mean that it's like always repetitive. Because there are ways to break the pattern. That's really what the game is all about. You see a pattern, you break it. Figure out how you can inject your characters into that pattern pattern and just destroy it and that might be something as subtle as throwing a rock so a guard is looking the other way to murdering an entire room of people with explosives Um, (laughs) it goes from very subtle to really ridiculous and over the top Uh, and sometimes you are actually fighting in a war zone as well it's very uh, non-traditional in that these places feel very chaotic, even though they are actually very ordered and structured. And you are actually seeing other people, like, fighting each other. You're seeing people hiding behind barricades and shooting. And you're kind of trying to sneak around these battles rather than getting involved, using them as distractions as well quite a lot.
0: Nick, I'm just curious. uh, What was your take on the uh, save-scum-friendly approach adopted here?
1: That's... Well, the interesting thing is that, like, so... Yeah, a lot of the levels are these like chaotic war zones, and there's you know implied there's a lot of action that's happening around you know what you your team is actually doing, but uh, the overwhelming feeling that I had when I was playing the game is that it's it's very very directed, like very like that you can feel the hands of the developers in everything that you do. So um, as an architect, like the thing that I immediately notice is that uh, with the quick save system. It, it, you can you can judge it by the architecture that's around you. If there's a lot of buildings, a lot of cover, a lot of things that you can you can work with, then you're in the middle of an a environment where you have to deal with enemies. And then as soon as you uh, hit a little break in that, like almost a little firewall, where you go to the next area, it's the developer is kind of telling you, okay, you can take a breath here. This is a good time to quick save. You got through that last bit. Nothing from back there is going to come back and haunt you. You're on to the next thing. Keep moving forward.
0: I think, um, so you, you, it's interesting to say it's, it's very directed because on the one hand, I totally agree. On the other hand, I think there's, there's a tendency, at least on my part, to associate with like a heavily directed game with something that's also highly scripted or linear, right? There are not solutions, there's a solution. And I think one of the interesting things about Shadow Tactics is that I feel like it's very carefully engineered, uh certainly there's uh the the way I almost uh you know I was thinking about it earlier today is it's almost like you are part you you are you are trying to change the workings of like a kinetic uh sculpture or something like that you know what I mean like the machine's going to keep running uh but you want to sort of change how uh the direction it's running you want to change the the sequence of cause and effect that's going to happen. And there's a lot of different ways uh, that can, that can uh, come about. But the cool thing is it does always feel like there are a lot of possible solutions in each scenario that's been, like, carefully considered and, and engineered. Uh, but I also don't feel like um, – what's the way to put this? Yeah, I don't feel like I'm being excessively steered, nor do I feel like I'm being uh, too terribly judged for not finding like the optimal super elite, uh, clever stealth approach. Right? Like, mm. I feel like when I just sort of punt and find a creatively murderous solution, the game's cool <laughs> with that too. Uh, but it's also sort of at the end of the mission when you get your scorecard, it's also sort of like hinting that well there are actually a lot of ways uh, you could have gone about that. Like, you saw one path, there were several. And that's something that I really do enjoy about this game. But also, I think... At the same time, the the scorecard did make me feel like I was terrible at shadow tactics, which <laughs> may have been an objectively correct judgment. Uh, but but nevertheless, like on the one hand, like I was encouraged, to, like go back and I wanted to like experiment in the sandbox some more. On the other hand, I did sometimes feel like shadow tactics was like you
3: normcore sack of garbage. <laughs>
0: you- <laughs> That's kind of how it felt. No,
3: those 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 little things at the end, I I read them as. Uh, you know, here are the ways that you're gonna try to like do this differently when you replay it because you're an expert. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. well, we so I mean,
1: they are right. So at the end of a, a mission, you get a little breakdown that says exactly what each of your characters' contributions to the mission were. You know, how many yeah. they killed, how many they distracted, et cetera, et cetera, and then also uh, a set of. Uh, um, Voluntary things that you could have done say like, "Oh, did you get through without uh, distracting any samurai or did you get through without using the cart to get to the end or something like that, so implying there are alternate paths to get through to the to complete the objectives, but,
3: but... each one has like three totally change how you play the whole mission type of things, like no alarms or don't, don't use it bush. Um, or don't use a bush or yeah, I, I can't do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and then there are like six kind of achievements like did you distract x amount of guards with this particular skill um, that maybe there's only one place to get that or maybe there's like four or five places to get it but and there's um, there's always
1: general... one that's don't use the most clear obvious thing that we've been signaling will we'll help you through this level it's like yeah, yeah do the whole thing without you know doing the instant win button
3: or, or this level is designed to train you to use this character's skill. Don't use that skill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's
2: like if you've got an assassination mission, it will through as you're kind of going through the actual level, uh, it will suggest certain uh, not just ways through it, but also how you achieve the objective as well. Like you might just be brute force, but you might poison, or you might snipe. Uh, There are lots of different ways to tackle the actual main objective for each mission as well as the kind of moment-to-moment stuff that changes all the time. But what I love is trying to get out of cocking up when I actually make a mistake, not just immediately reloading but seeing if I can maybe get out of it. And there are ways to turn mistakes to your advantage or or obstacles to your advantage. For instance, um, some levels have, have snow. And that is very important because it means that you leave footsteps in the snow uh, wherever you go. Uh, so, if a guard spots them, they will follow the footsteps all the way to the end, uh, and sometimes they'll find you uh, and kill you. But sometimes you'll be able to use that to draw them into an ambush. So you go kind of you know where they're going to be coming. So you follow that pattern. You disappear around the corner just as they're coming out. They follow your footsteps, but you're up on a roof somewhere waiting with your daggers ready to jump down and murder them.
1: Sure, uh, yeah, it's the Shadow Moses technique.
2: Exactly. So yeah, I, yeah. one thing I used to really enjoy doing there's, was like creating kill zones. So I would kill every single guard <laughs> in the area one by one by doing this and picking a specific area for the actual kill zone where no other guards are until there's just this pile of of dudes just lying there in a puddle yeah. of blood. Each one comes uh, around
1: the corner and says, is, 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 whose footprints are these? Water, yeah, water Yeah, it, it's,
2: it's a bit cheesy and a bit silly, but I feel like the game doesn't care how you approach these things. It's an achievement to actually complete a mission. So I always felt really good about myself. If I managed to get to the end, then I did everything I could possibly do. Uh, and, the, and I always would feel a bit more confident when it came to trying it again. Uh, and maybe try not to use footprints in a cheesy way every single time.
0: <laughs> Look, I mean, if you're just using footprints, uh, I think you're, you're ahead of the curve uh, from where I stand. Uh, I was using, one of your characters is sort of a uh, wilderness expert trapper uh, type character, but she has a little bird whistle that lures the guards. That's so good. Uh, and she also has a uh, sort of a spring-loaded trap. Uh, that she can position. And obviously those two can be used uh pretty obviously together, but the thing I used her the most for was just to lure guys uh to blind corners where uh they could be murdered or uh a group of people could be murdered all at once uh pretty effectively
3: and so like Bird's voice.
0: Yeah I uh I did not make much i snow really frustrated the hell out of me uh actually because I like it always just felt uh you know, quite justly, that the moment guards see you, uh, they're just going to beeline toward where your character is hiding, and I was really bad about uh, finding ways to use footprints to, like, lure people to their death. Uh, usually I was the one being uh, sort of, uh, you know, breadcrumbed to my doom. <laughs>
3: um, I would think that I think the game does really well, and if you keep up with it, Rob, I think you'll, you'll either quit in frustration because of this or agree with me is that uh the the levels sort of escalate in um not letting the cheesy things uh be quite so successful so like the first snow level you can do a lot more of that by the seconds of what fraser was talking about by the second snow level it becomes something that you have to worry about a lot more and you know take a take a less cheesy strategy uh the bird's voice um, becomes less and less useful the more you go up against the straw hat dudes and samurai who don't respond to the distractions, and uh, so I found that while well, uh, what that's Yuki, I think,
1: yeah, uh, Yuki, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah while well, Yuki was like my main go-to, uh, with her whistle for the first two thirds of the game or so. By the end, it was I had to start setting up increasingly intricate uh, kind of constructions where she would her luring somebody had to be paired with um, you know the one ninja who can do a disguise murdering a dude who would see her kill the person and then uh, Hayato, the sort of generic ninja guy would jump down with a sword and kill another person so you have to kind of go from can I just you know break break these kind of designed, uh, set pieces down one by one using an individual character or an individual mechanic to how many different mechanics can I use to kind of try to make sure this doesn't go turn into absolute chaos and I still manage to get at least a couple kills out of it. So and, that's where
2: shadow mode comes in really, isn't it? Because yeah. And that's probably the the coolest feature in Shadow Tactics where you assign... Uh, Or you give each character orders and then activate them at the same time. Uh, And that can be moving, attacking, setting up troops, doing anything, basically. But it's all synchronized, so you're able to use everyone in your party all at once to do these incredibly uh, elaborate ambushes and assaults. It's a sort
1: of a ghost recon, simultaneous sniping kind of move.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, so... So by the end, I'm doing things like um, having the um, disguised woman toss her perfume that blinds a guy as two other of my characters like grab and kill uh, two guards that would have been seen by the guy who just got blinded. And then as they're doing that, I'm like directly controlling her to go kill the guy who's been blinded and hoping that all that timing lines up, which... Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Do you and ever get the ability to queue more than one move? No, it's it's no, always no. just one. It's so a you have move, to yeah. so you have to kind of design around that and uh use your characters who can do two moves, like uh Hayato with the sword and then his serukin uh becomes a slightly twitch thing, but uh well, when yeah. you pull that off it you feel really awesome.
0: This is one of the things I I kinda dig. <clears throat> um I think there can be a hesitation with games like this. Because that real-time nature and the fact that it does sort of feel a bit like, um, for, you know, just from the way it's – from its presentation uh, and the way you move characters around, it might at times feel like, uh, you know, if you just have the reflexes and dexterity, to be able to pull off uh, stuff that, uh, you know, other people couldn't. Uh, but it does feel like there's a little bit of um, – your characters seem to have like a little bit of inertia or, or, or a lag. Like if you're, if you're trying to time stuff out just uh, in, in the real-time interface uh, by yourself, I really struggle to pull off anything of, of much complexity at all. Like It really did need to be uh, triggering simultaneously because guards, they do have a warm-up time to reacting to stuff uh, that depends on how close they are to the, uh, the stimulus. Uh, their, their vision cone slowly fills up. Uh, with with yellow and then turns red once they've identified that something truly iffy is going on, um, and obviously if you like you know cut someone's throat straight in front of someone, <laughs> there's going to be like <laughs> instantaneous reaction. Uh, but yeah, so if you're if you're trying to just like uh, brute force your way through this uh, using you know reflexes and like you tr- you're personally a real time uh, strategy game, I'm not sure how viable that is. But what does make what, what did make me feel really you know, clever and a bit like a badass is you do have everything queued up from your other characters, but then you know who you know, you get two characters that are gonna have their next moves, and now it's on you to land that timing. Uh and whenever I was able to do that, uh I did feel like the master ninja,
1: right? Like I, I was like, I am the knight. That's <laughs> the I think the 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 genius thing about it is the I think the understanding of the developers that um if you're, you basically have two moves, like the the most thing you can queue up. You, you can set, um, you have four characters, you can set two of them or three of them up to do a, a set of uh, simultaneous actions with that like shadow move where it's all queued up at the same time. And then you can do an, another one that's kind of based on you moving a single character around or something like that, maybe another one, but you're going to be fighting with the hardware to kind of get it done. So you you feel that limitation for for what the game allows. And... Uh, it, it, they set up almost every single scenario that you can. You can do anything that you need to do in the game by queuing up two to three character actions to go at the same time, and then moving another character around directly, like you know, to get them into a into a bush safely, or to to get them into a space a safe space, or to kill a guy really quickly and then drag him away to shadows. But like within that moment-to-moment like action where like you just drag him back
3: yeah or until you get to the last mission where suddenly you have to do like five things at once to avoid being detected but you only can do manage like 4.5 that's a that's a real a real trip that doesn't sound uh, it's i mean when you get it done it's the most amazing like holy shit i'm a badass feeling but uh yeah it it takes some relaxation of your expectation that you're not going to take any damage or whatever.
1: I didn't have that issue with the last mission. Really? So yeah, that's interesting.
2: I find it to be easily the, I mean, obviously the last mission is typically the most difficult, but I felt that the escalation was a lot more dramatic there. Like I, I felt like I'd learned a lot across those missions and I felt like a novice again. (laughs) <laughs> when I got to the last one, it took a lot of attempts, uh, but I liked it. It was like everything I've learned, just throw it out the window. You still suck. So the last um, mission
1: is a kind of a uh, game of death style pagoda that you have to kind of go up through the levels of to to, to kill the bad guy, uh, the big bad. Uh, did you guys have issues with the part before that or with the actual pagoda? It's
2: it w- ac- the the Getting landing in is kind of difficult yeah, yeah the
3: initial the initial landing like the once you manage to get a kind of little safe zone to progress from it becomes more manageable like that first figuring out which of the like three options you have at the start is the preferred entry was is, is its own thing, and then kind of going from there.
2: Although that's obviously something that happens a lot in the game, in that whenever you start a mission, you have all of... It's so open that you do kind of start by freaking out a little bit, trying to figure out, well, which one could I possibly pick? They all look incredibly difficult. Um,
0: So one other thing that we should talk a little bit about is how well this game uses a sense of place and the environment and the things you will find there. Uh, to create variety in its in its encounters, uh, because certainly something that impressed me is that well, first, the game has a gorgeous uh, art style uh terrific art and and great sound, but uh just the presentation is really, really good it's uh using that sort of you know thick, bold lines uh, around around its textures to give it sort of a a a hand drawn look uh, that that's that's really charming. But then the, the other thing is that a lot of times you are rewarded for really scrutinizing the environment. Not just, you know, yes, you want to be seeing the patterns. You need to be seeing these patrol routes and who is, you know, and, and it gets pretty involved, right? Like guards will regularly go back and like check in with an officer and you need to like know the exact timing of how long that exchange usually takes. Uh, how, you know, when does that person spin around? When does that other person resume their patrol route? Uh, That stuff is really important, but then also, you know, the more you stare at the level, the more you start seeing things like, um, you know, a a good example from an early mission is that uh, a lot of so the 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 second mission is a stalled convoy uh, on on these mountain roads, and just something that really uh you know struck me was that there's one guard just hanging out in the middle of the convoy, and then you realize that you know the road is inclined there and one of the uh one of one of the uh wagons is sort of being held in place by uh by by blocks uh and so if you can get around and just get the uh blocks out of there that thing's going to roll and take some people out and the other thing is guards do react to like suspicious violent death but they react they do not sound the alarm if it is Plausibly accidental, Uh, so they're still gonna like freak out and inspect the area But they're not immediately going to be like, you know, holy hell somebody's been murdered send out the guards Uh, so that's another interesting thing is that uh, You know staging an accidental death isn't exactly a get out of uh, you know jail free card But it does give you a certain flexibility and forgiveness in the guard reaction that you know say a series of brutal murders does not. Uh, but, like, so it, it's, a, it's a cool thing where, like, as you, as you stare into these environments or sort, of, sort of watch the guards uh, go, go about their rounds, you also just start noticing other stuff in the environment that may be interactable and may open up a, another another option.
1: Well, I, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I found, like, those moments, and that one in, in particular, actually, uh, they give you... Uh, sort of opportunity to kind of break the level like that's that's your room to play that's your room to to do a couple of quick saves and figure out how you exactly you want to shake things out um i remember like that one in particular the blocked convoy um so i was releasing the the sleds or whatever it is for the for the cart i would drop it on a guy immediately three guards would come over and start to inspect the area And they seem to play it out a little bit differently each time, depending on when I timed it or exactly who released the sleds when. Uh, So I could uh, maybe catch a guard unawares, like he might be wandering a little bit too far away from the rest of the group, and I might have an opportunity to kill him and immediately drop him right in a bush or something like that. And I could play around with that
2: a few times and and, and try to change up the scenario a little bit. Tiny changes can have such a huge impact. Just a couple of seconds can make the difference between actually solving this puzzle and dying again.
0: (laughs) Oh, something else I want to call out from that mission, uh, because those early missions do have, like, heavy tutorial value, uh, and they sort of are teaching you about how uh, things in this world react uh, to changes. One of the cool things is in the second mission, you're supposed to kill um, these captains. Who, uh, if you if you've seen a Total War game or you watched any, uh, you know any, any samurai uh, movies, you know people wandering around with flags on their back. Uh, it's, a, it's a it's a rank <laughs> insignia uh, in in this game at least. And so you got to kill X number of officers who are guarding this uh, convoy, and they're the dudes uh, wandering around with these flags. And one is set up pretty much inviting you to like easily murder this 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 captain. Uh, the other ones you're gonna have to work for, but this one uh, is basically you know standing with his back to a ledge that you can easily climb up. Like he is begging to be murdered. <laughs> but uh, so the, the first thing I was like, all right, yeah, hell yeah, uh, I'm gonna take that invitation. I'm gonna creep up behind him and cut his throat. And uh then, and God, I love some of the animations of this game, then to carry him over to the edge of that bluff and just fling him off like a bag of trash <laughs> onto the ground below. It's gonna be great. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, um there's a guard making the rounds that checks in with this officer every time he goes around. And so like I kill this officer, and then I go back into hiding and I'm gonna wait for the guard to make his to to pass through and then I'll then I'll then I'll continue on my way. And I would say in just about every stealth game uh, that that I've played, I haven't played the latest Hitman, uh, so maybe that maybe that's a uh, an exception to this rule. But for the most part, characters are remarkably chill about people who should be at their post no longer and mysteriously <laughs> being like being at their post. <laughs> uh, and so, one of the cool things that happens here is like. I've just murdered this captain, and I just expect the guard to go through without sort of remarking on that fact. But no, the moment that guy is gone, uh, and the captain is no longer at a station, the guard freezes and initiates a pretty detailed search of the area, uh, which just really pleased me because, like, again, it does sort of, not only is it does it sort of increase the challenge level, but does, I think, make the world maybe feel a little more vibrant and alive, right? These These guards aren't they're not just sitting there, you know. They they actually aren't, despite appearances, just sitting around waiting for you to murder them. Uh, they will actually be proactive sentries, uh, which is rare really in stealth it,
1: game. It would be nice if they were aware of the existence of like second stories of buildings. But <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, look, if if you
0: take away my my magic enchanted crouch, uh, I'm, I'm doomed <laughs> in that game. Uh,
3: I think just going along with. Uh... The idea of the environment and the whole presentation you work work together is this game is really good at like existing within itself it knows exactly what it wants to be and it almost never does less and it almost never tries to do more um it i think the plot some of the plot be cut scenes and stuff might be a little over ambitious it's like there's you know a secret mysterious mastermind and there are only like two politicians in the game so it's pretty yeah, obvious the secret mysterious is <laughs> mastermind <laughs> is actually uh, uh pretty obvious so like the the whole meta plot is maybe a, they bit off a little bit more than they could chew but this is this is a game that just feels exactly like it knows how it wants to behave um and it does that really well so it it is kind of sandboxy encounters that it puts together like each of them feels both designed and like you can solve them in a bunch of different ways there are a lot of them that can probably only really be solved successfully in one way but it feels like you are toying with their systems instead of that you have been put in a place where you have a designed encounter that can only be done one way um and then uh This goes along with the whole presentation of, you know, feudal Japan and so on. The voice acting is really good. Uh, Yuki, the uh, little wild child girl, was uh, always felt like I was actually playing like a full on character instead of simply, you know, this is my uh, trap type character. Um,
1: Now, did you guys play it on um, with uh, the Japanese or the uh, English?
3: I did the English. Uh, yeah, the Japanese probably work well, too. The English was oh. really
2: good. No, like, you got the, the Japanese. The Japanese characters have so, so much personality, much uh, And like, one thing that I appreciate is even yet, though the story is kind of predictable, they put a lot of effort into developing these characters with a small amount of time you actually spend doing anything other than murdering. Yeah. Um, there aren't many opportunities for them, but they actually get a lot out of the characters. And I genuinely uh, felt a connection, particularly... With characters like Mugen and 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 Yuki, who are the more gregarious, fun-loving characters, because there's like a playful undercurrent running throughout this game about assassination and sabotage. Well, uh, it's now, kind. Can, I mean, the two. Can tumuki. we talk
1: about the 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 heiress moment in this? <laughs> yes, if you'd like. <laughs> so I don't know how,
2: how we are on, on spoilers, Rob. Uh boy, that's a good question. Um Oh that is a good we don't normally have to worry because we yeah, don't really a... talk about story based games that much. <laughs> Probably best avoid spoilers actually. Because oh. the the character moments matter in this, yeah.
0: I think. But also, like like we don't do spoiler session uh, sections on this show. Mm. Uh, Nick, can, can you can you talk obliquely about uh, sort of plot beats and character uh, beats, or use moment?
1: Okay. Well, so I I I think this game does a good job. I, I actually really like this moment where. I, I had felt at the time they were introducing a character that had, he kind of broke the game a little bit. And this is a, I think it's a very uh, regimented game. It has a very small set of um, systems that interact. Like, you know, maybe you have four characters, you have maybe three to four types of enemies and they all interact in a set sort of ways. And you have a certain character who negates an entire enemy type by himself, um, that's probably too much right there, but we're <laughs> good. Okay, well, so um, about halfway through the game, I think it it's it's fairly early on. Yeah, you lose that character, and then from then on, it becomes kind of a test to the player of uh, can you solve the problems that you were solving with him as a singular character with a singular set of moves with multiple characters doing multiple moves, um, uh basically doubling the level of difficulty for you
3: yeah it's it, th- this is also combined with the plot going significantly darker and R- rob you were talking about how you weren't sure if this game was going to punish you for being too murdery it doesn't punish you for being too murdery this game gets dark and says you know this is a murder murder ass game okay um,
0: but i was i was specifically reacting i'm not crazy right like i'm not imagining this the characters who are doing more of the killing, their portrait is changing.
2: I didn't, I didn't notice that.
3: No. I, okay, I think you I might think have so. been playing Spec Ops The Line. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it's an easy mistake
0: to make. Because I was just really struck by, like, uh, pretty early on, I was like, wait a second, was that portrait like, just covered in blood at the start of this mission? I don't remember it being covered in blood. Like, I think I would have noticed that. And then the character who hadn't murdered so many people uh, remained like undecorated.
2: uh, That's interesting. You might be right, but the problem is like all my characters were murderous (laughs) psychopaths.
1: (laughs) That's a problem. I couldn't.
0: I couldn't let my daughter Yuki uh, just (laughs) like she was too innocent. Like yes, lure the guards with your whistle, my dear. Uh, but
1: but let, well, you let had someone else let do the, the dirty let work the old men
0: uh <laughs> do the murdering you st- you stay pure and good uh, oh, although no. she that was starting a, to go by she the She probably
1: had a double digit body
2: count for yeah, me she, easily. she probably had a triple digit body the, count the most effective murderer would be the cutest and that would be the Tanuki, who's adorable <laughs> oh Cass. What an amazing distraction so the greatest facing, character yeah giant bomb you, yep <laughs> you, you meet you meet a, uh, a character, uh, pretty, I think you meet him really early on and then he actually joins your party fully a little bit later. Um, and he's got a, a pet tanuki and he can use it basically to go out. I think he has quite a lot of range, basically. He can go quite far from his master. And then he just sits and, and just dances and kind of rolls around and generally acts cute. And anyone that sees him... Uh, immediately goes over to just watch this display of cuteness. Uh, so the idea is to uh, put the Tanuki maybe below a cliff where above it is a rock. So when someone's like, that is an adorable little raccoon dog, I'm going to just move over here a little bit away from the bit that I'm guarding <laughs> and just, just innocently watch this lovely creature while I'm on my break. splat. <laughs> this paste. Uh, and it's it's so funny but it's really terrible but the way i look at it is that they got to enjoy something pure and innocent before they died so i never felt too bad but that uh that tanuki is quite effective
1: see i think like anyone who's gonna be like oh come on this is this cute raccoon i'm gonna go check it out i think immediately i start staying my blade like wait hang on he actually (laughs) thinks those are really cute i maybe should find another solution
2: (laughs) Because I think the only ones, I think there are two types that won't go over. Uh, there's the one with the, the wide brimmed hats. The uh, straw hats, uh, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the straw hats, because they ignore all distractions, very disciplined. I'm pretty sure it's just because they can't see anything. This has to be the only uh,
0: game in history where, like, a straw hat is, like, a sign of being a badass.
1: <laughs> uh, we have
2: Mortal Kombat. There's, I think, a, yeah, there, there's a lot of anime as well, a lot of anime with badass straw hat wearing. God, if uh, I could get away with warriors.
1: wearing that. <laughs> I, wa- I, I
2: want that. I want that and I want
1: it to not be cultural appropriation because it's so cool. It's so cool.
2: There's also another type of enemy, which is the like heavily armored samurai. And I'm trying to remember, do they get distracted by the tanuki? Uh, they do not. Because Yeah, because they're pretty strict Say, uh, and disciplined as well. They will. They'll get distracted because I, I use this to beat the final mission. They'll, oh, they'll, yeah, but yeah. but you can't slit their throats or kick, do one hit kills with them. And yeah, of, they'll, and they'll you, look
1: over for two to three seconds and they will say, "Oh, it's a cute animal over there." Fuck yeah. that
2: noise. Because there are a lot of different ways. Like every uh, enemy has a slightly different reaction to to different things. Uh, but one thing they all like have in common is that. Their vision cone is really nuanced in that when they're looking forward, their vision cone is not static because Mm. nobody really just looks forward. Everyone moves their eyes a little bit. Yeah,
1: this is a game that it's, it's done with the understanding that you will see and understand every single character's vision cone. You can't play the
2: game without looking at that. So when you see a, a stationary guard, their vision cone is not, and it's it's only a small amount, but that might be that movement to the left, movement to the right, even if it's an inch, might be the thing that's stopping you from getting past them. Uh, and the object
1: and I, that's a little bit further out from them, and then about halfway across, like as their vision cone extends outwards, about halfway through that, there's the um, the the dotted, uh, striated line that indicates that if you're crouched in that area, they won't see you
2: there's just like just for that one mechanic there's so much going on uh and but i didn't feel like overwhelmed by things like that because it introduces that really quickly and it's logical isn't it you'd understand that yeah a certain range someone's vision is less powerful and that people don't ever really just look straight ahead
3: yeah it's it's a game that kind of introduces that well gets you like checking guards vision to be second nature and then slowly escalates you have one dude who's staring ahead you can be easily distract and taken out okay the next level you have two dudes who are looking at each other you need to either pull them away from each other to kill them or you need to uh try to kill them both at once then the next level it's two dudes with their straw hats so you can't pull them away from another you have to kill them both at the same time or get around them and the next time it's three guys and so on and it's a game that makes you feel like that language is something that you're learning when you step back and think about it but in the moment it's just like okay I recognize how to do this like I'm I'm getting getting this and getting better at it and the way that you uh the way that you're able to do things in later levels that would shock you if you had done them in earlier levels I think is is very cleverly done it's a just a like I said it's a game that's well within itself
1: and then I don't know if you guys have this experience, but for me, it's, I think I've understood all of that. And then I go and kill somebody and then it turns out there's a guard who's three levels up, who has, you know, view of the entire, you know, level. And then he sees you. And I, I, I thought it does a good job of kind of teaching you how the game approaches verticality and that the, the, you know, world beating, uh, advantage of being up a level above somebody else because if you can snipe or if you can get up to the level of the people that are on the third or fourth story of a fort or a pagoda or something like that, if you can conquer that high ground, then the world is your oyster.
2: And there's a lot of walking across wires and things like that as well. I mean, especially when you've you've got characters that have like grapple hooks and things like that, so they can actually very easily Uh, get up to second and third stories uh, just in one swift move. Uh, And it's usually better to keep them above ground for as long as possible. Uh, And and in these sorts of missions, the the urban ones, uh, there's usually a a path that you can take that will allow your ninja characters to never have to set foot on the ground uh, unless they're jumping down to murder someone.
1: Uh, well, and then the, the, the dilemma that they kind of introduced to the character is that like you're uh, kind of your most overpowered, maybe in a way, character is is the character with a gun. Uh, but yeah. He's, he's crippled. And so he can't use uh, the, I think it's the vines that other characters use to get up to uh, higher levels. He can't spring up and use grappling hooks or anything like that. He has to he can just use ladders ladder.
2: or stairs. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So but the, occasionally they'll have little sniper towers just for him.
1: Oh, it's, it's very specific. And, and that was like the thing that really stood out to me with the game is that um, it, how much of it is oriented around like it was the way that the game told me, like, we are aware of what solutions we've provided to you and which one you're going to be taking right now, because you can work your way through a level, clear out guards and then clear a path for him to get up to that second level. Finally, you have got a ladder for him to get up to that, you know, to that sniper tower. He climbs it up, and he gets to the top of it, and you're like, okay, now I'm gonna snipe that guard that has been giving me so much trouble. And it turns out his um, all, all of the uh, actionable areas for the characters are done by circles. And uh, you always run into the dilemma in this game where you go to shoot with him and you find out that an enemy that you want to kill is just outside that circle of his
2: sniping area. And of course, his rifle also makes quite a bit of noise and has very limited ammo, because limit because every character gets or is it every I'm pretty sure every character gets a small eventually like you get a firearm, pistol? Yeah. yeah, everyone gets a flintlock, but they again have limited ammo and they make a lot of noise. I kind of always felt like they were like a last ditched attempt to survive. like you, the shit has hit the fan. people know where you are. Okay, now I can use my really loud gun. Or, of course, if you, if you meet someone that's uh, alone. But um, then you run into the problem where if you're dealing with a samurai, because the samurai have armor, so if you shoot them, you c- you can't kill them. But you can stun them, giving someone else enough time to take them out. Maybe they've been hiding in a bush or above them or just uh, wherever. So it's, you need to then, yeah, and you need to coordinate. So then the gun becomes a device to stun much more powerful characters, and it actually becomes even more important.
0: So I'm curious. Um, <clears throat> one of the things the the end of the end of mission uh, achievements badges you could have earned uh, a lot of them like are pointing at you know there are ways to play this game. Uh, you know, you it, basically if you're if you're going for those perfect stealth runs, uh, that, you know you're familiar with from games like uh, Thief or Dishonored, where you literally never. Triggered an alarm. Uh, you didn't kill anyone who wasn't a target. Uh, you were basically a ghost uh, in that level. Uh, has anyone come close to achieving that? Has anyone like finished a level with like uh, you know near zero body count? Because I'm just you know I'm bagging and tagging uh, basically as I work through this game. Uh, so I cannot imagine being a stealth uh, you know a, a master ninja uh, who's capable of getting through these really intricate levels with guards who see an awful long way and pay attention to stuff. Um, Has anyone found, like,
2: really, like, clever ways to avoid uh, mass murder? I've gotten one with no alerts, and I've gotten one where only the target was killed, uh, but they were not the same one. (laughs) Actually, I think I've probably got more than with, with no alerts. I think I've been spotted, but no actual, like... Alerts. So maybe one guy kind of saw me, but he didn't go full red, so I killed him. Uh, it's really difficult. I think it's actually much harder to do the only kill your target than the the no alerts. I'm, I have no problem with only knocking out neutral characters because you, 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 I don't want to kill them because they're just innocents and you okay, are, what are kind the of
0: there I mean, this is like this is the other thing. Characters do wake up but yeah, it seems like civilians won't necessarily go and raise the alarm but i think guards no. will
2: yeah so you want to kill if if you take out a guard your best bet is to kill them but if you do it, you, with a civilian you can just knock them out and if there's are- a guard nearby they might then run and alert the guard if there is one really close by when they wake up or a guard might actually just find their unconscious body so you got to make sure you hide it as well
1: yeah, it's a little bit exploitable, too. Uh, I found that the, the civilian rules get a little bit iffy, especially towards later levels, because uh, I found civilians that I needed to knock out. Uh, and if you do so when you've already eliminated all the guards in the area, uh, they will run around, then eventually find a corner to just hide in, and the <laughs> alert doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, that's another thing. They off- Yeah, if they wake up after being knocked unconscious, they will, off- if there's no guards around, yeah. they'll... Yeah. Hide away and just kind of cower. I'm not sure if the, uh, there's anything after that, like if a guard comes across someone cowering, I don't know if I can't remember if anything happens then I mean, I mean the areas are so
1: partitioned that at that point, yeah like if if they're doing that, then they probably don't have anyone to go to from what I could tell, like I think they'll travel a good distance to find a guard that's actually awake and conscious and can respond.
0: I would say these these partitions are... I mean, they are real. Uh, Like, like once you've cleared a section of a level, kind of what you've left behind there doesn't really seem to matter. Uh, But those sections are pretty big. It's not like uh, a lot of stealth games where, like, there's kind of a stealth encounter space and what happens in, you know, that room or two uh, matters and interacts. Like, you'll have pretty extensive uh, regions where, like, something happens in one far corner of a segment... Uh, there's actually a pretty decent chance that a chain of events will trigger people on the other other side of it, uh, noticing something is amiss and, and responding. I was caught out an awful lot by, um, you know, I'd memorized a lot of patrol routes nearby, like, you know, in a courtyard or something. But what I'd forgotten is that there was somebody else in a different part of the castle, for instance, uh, on a route that, from a certain perspective, like crosses in front of a gate and has a line of sight to that courtyard. Um, and so, like, I was, I was, I was sort of struck by uh, how often I was uh, caught out by, you know, kind of a realistic uh, sense of the geography of uh, of the location uh, of the fact that like characters are not just. Uh, you know, blind after, you know, 50 feet, but will actually like respond and are part of the same like alert ecosystem uh, as, as characters in a very different part of the map.
2: How obsessive did you guys get? Because I, it got to the point for me where I was actually using the stopwatch on my phone to time wow. things so I could hit it perfectly. Because uh, occasionally you will get things where it's like you have a split second to pull off what you're trying to do. Now, that might not be the only way you can get past this bit, but often if I find a solution, I'm like, I don't care how outlandish this solution is or how horribly quick I'll have to be, I'm going to try it. Uh, And so, yeah, and sometimes I would even, I'd have a little piece of paper and I would take really, really brief little notes, like guard one, three seconds to this point, five seconds to this, stops to talk to this guy stuff like that um yeah i maybe took it too far but i i actually felt a lot more confident after i did that i'm like i've got the instructions here it's like i'm constructing my own little walkthrough as i go
3: i mean whatever works i did not get to that point but (laughs) um, so going back to your initial question rob i when i went back like initially when i played it i was you know brute forcing it i want to get to the end of this i don't really care about all these achievements or whatever and when i went back yesterday to go try some other missions i started having a lot less fun because it's like okay i'm trying not to set off any alarms but that means that you know i'm not causing the chaos that makes this turn really interesting um i'm not playing within how i feel i should be playing and safe scumming or not safe scumming um so like yeah sure there are things like that there are achievements for it but i as someone who's not like super into that style of stealth game um genre convention um i think that this game still works just fine without it and uh if i play it again i'm probably just going to play it again and not like worry about trying to get those achievements
0: yeah, this is the, uh, this is the trick. I- I'm glad that Shadow Tactics, I, I don't feel like... Uh, so, the comparison I'll make here is Dishonored. One of the common complaints about Dishonored, and it's a complaint I, I share, is that perhaps the exception of the most recent Dishonored game, uh, Death of the Outsider, it's always felt a little bit like, not just that you're breaking the game, but you're kind of wasting the game uh, if you go full-on murder and mayhem. Uh, there are plot consequences for that as well, but I think the big thing is you're playing a really intricate stealth game with uh, sort of a uh, you know a machine you know the level has its own machinery and internal logic that's operating and all that's really cool and then you get detected and then you just fall back on your superpowers that turn you into an unkillable demon uh, basically which is kind of fun but at the same time it's like you took that machine. And just like smashed it into a million pieces, and were like, and, and then moved on. Uh, it feels like you didn't, you, you know, you know, it's the Gordian knot. You didn't really solve the problem. Uh, you just, you just sliced it. Um, and that's yeah, I sort
3: of have the reverse where I think it's the pure stealth that breaks the game. Like these are systems that are supposed to be chaotic. They're supposed to have really interesting things. Where pure stealth is just like, I'm going to, you know do this perfectly and never actually see these systems break down.
2: Yeah, um, I'm with Rowan. You've never been more wrong, Rob. I don't, <laughs> I'm not saying Rob is kid. wrong.
3: <laughs> I'm not saying Rob is wrong here. I'm just saying that my impression is that the pure stealth one is what I feel breaks it. Uh, I,
2: mean, I don't think either really break it, but I certainly wouldn't say that the because power, the powers are so much part of the game. There's such a joy in using them, and the game is built around using them. It's also built around going completely stealthily, but I think it's, it's more tense that way. But I don't know if it's as interesting. It's certainly not as fun. And actually, with Dishonored, you can play really stealthily, and you can you know avoid killing all that many people uh, but still use a lot of the crazy moves like it's more i guess uh, the problem i have is when you're playing an ordered rather than chaos uh, game it becomes a little bit more anal uh, if you're playing chaos it doesn't it doesn't matter and you're just getting all the tools but it feels weird to restrict yourself when the tools are that much fun
3: Especially, and this was the complaint with the original Dishonored, because it basically tells you, this game will mess you up if you kill too many people. Mm. Um, so it gave people the impression that their first playthrough should be the pure stealth don't kill yeah. anyone. And a lot, a lot of people ran case. into a wall there because that's the hardest way to play. Well, but then it puts yeah. the
1: light of that too, where uh, the, the peaceful quote-unquote solution for a lot of the boss battles turns out to be extremely violent and very dark. <laughs> Yeah. and the, I think the, the the thing that I always thought that was interesting about Dishonored is that okay, so you, you populate this level with all of these Pinata humans that are very clearly evil, and you give this uh, just grab bag of of great abilities that you can use to kill them. And a, a, at what point does doing a you know quote unquote peaceful run and still you know changing the course of the country's fate and still tormenting people and torturing them become kind of a pretentiousness of thinking that you're playing a good run as you go through and and exert your will on all these people
2: yeah i don't like i think there's a lot if it revolves around bragging rights and uh i've never really felt like boasting about how good i am at dishonored it's such like how's that ever gonna come up like i'm at dinner party i'm like by the way (laughs) i did i did a no kill ghost run of dishonored too and everyone's just like what (laughs) what even is that
0: but it is in the DNA of the of the genre, right? Like thief it goes back to thief, right? Violence yeah, is the yeah. mark of the amateur. Like there's always been sort of an implicit uh expression on the part of the games themselves in some ways that like oh, well, you did it this way, but but really uh, there was a better way and you just didn't see it and maybe you should go back and frustrate yourself to death uh, trying to discover uh, discover what that way was. And no matter what you do, there'll always be sort of this implicit judgment uh, coming from the game. Uh, with this, there's I, I found that I, w- I felt a little more free. I, I did have worries about like, you know, the, the, the score screen comes up and uh, clearly there were a lot of things I, I missed, uh, opportunities that I just didn't see. Uh, there are clearly paths I can take that that don't lead to uh, my characters wading through blood up to their knees. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it, it also feels like this is a game that's very cool with it being like, okay, this is your first run, right? like It's a game that like invites uh, replayability and invites that kind of uh, learning. Nor do I feel like it's passing. And this was this is my reservation. This is why I was asking about like whether there's consequences for 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 mass murder. Uh, one of the things in a lot of these stealth games is, is that there's kind of an implicit, certainly dishonored. Uh, there's sort of an implicit moral judgment, like you, the violence you work in this world is going to uh, have an effect and that changes the course of the game and the the outcomes uh, you can you can expect. In this one, it feels like it's divorced from that uh f- from that morality and that does free you up to make full use of the character's abilities and the way they can interact with the world in a way that i feel like a lot of self games sometimes sort of slap your hand uh for you know going loud as it were uh,
1: i i had a couple of um standout moments where that kind of stuck out to me in the game the the one is the level where you um Enter into a village that is in the midst of a a sort of uh, purge, I guess you could say. And as the level uh, starts and you get control of the characters, um, there are a bunch of characters being executed in a rice paddy. Uh, And you can intervene and you can stop that. And I I know because I probably replayed the scene two dozen times, maybe, something like that, where you can can stop a few of the... um, the, the women that are getting killed, you can save a couple of their lives if you run up really quickly, but I could not find a way to uh, not set off a uh, region-wide alert when
2: I did it. That overall was, uh, was a horrific mission, because it's just you're, you're playing this whole thing in a village that has been tormented, everyone's being executed, or they've been round up and, and thrown in like a makeshift pen. Uh, and there's just it's just blood and mud and rain, and it's just so bloody depressing. Uh, and, they, and you they also start a, um... off with like an, you're playing an old man, an adorable child hiding in a paddy <laughs> field while people are being like slaughtered above them. It's horrific. And
1: and they compound it with the 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 way the effects work in it because you're sloshing around through rice paddies. So it's it's impossible to sneak up on any of the enemies in that initial area. If you're going to kill them, you have to do it with, you know, luring to traps, and it's very difficult to get more than one at a time. Uh, so there's no clean way to get through it. You know, there's no divorcing yourself from the fact that you're either going to go in and, and murder a bunch of dudes and set off all the alarms, or you're going to let a bunch of people die.
2: Yeah, you have to use Yuki a great deal in that one. It took me so long just to get out of that first row of paddy fields because it was just, like, whistling, waiting for the guard to walk over, look down at my trap and get shot in the head and do it again. Although, luckily, the fields make it really easy to hide corpses. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty grim. I mean, that's about what, like, I, I don't know, that it's a, bit, it's a bit more than halfway through the game, I think. Uh, so and you've it, got that that's, to look for. It's in
3: the turn when it gets when it starts it gets really getting dark. super dark. Yeah, yeah, that's where you're uh, like,
2: oh, this game isn't fun and filled with joy. It's miserable <laughs> and oppressive, and everything's terrible. Oh man, not even more it's, excited. It's
3: also, <laughs> you know what? This teenaged girl that I've been using to lure hundreds of men to their deaths—she's justified. <laughs> Those men deserve to die.
2: Yeah, you certainly don't feel guilty. All right. <laughs> Weapons-free.
3: Uh, right. And, and there is, like, a specific turn moment where all the characters get that way. Um, I, I mentioned Spec Ops The Line, where, uh, which kind of famously has the main character get, like, totally different uh, voiceover lines as it progresses. Um, and this game has... I don't remember if it lasts through the entire game, but in this particular level where something exceptionally horrible happens to your crew uh throughout the rest of that level those people are pissed off they are ready to fucking kill everyone and it's not happy voices doing fun ninja things it's let's go kill these fuckers so this is uh, the
1: the moment right immediately after that the uh the very next level uh it poses a sort of moral conundrum where uh if you want to progress through it i couldn't find a way to not do this but um you have to uh kill what were to that moment uh your allies to proceed uh you know as rob was mentioning before you can knock them out but it's not a very good solution because you know in a a short amount of time they'll wake up so if you really want to ensure that you get through to the end of the level and proceed with the story you're going to be killing your own soldiers
2: at this point, Yay. nobody is your own soldiers. <laughs> I am. You're against the goddamn world. Because you're really just mercenaries that have ended up kind of being part of this. It's, it's yeah, like. You're,
1: you're adjacent to it.
2: Yeah, you've got you've got you do have personal stakes eventually because you've been in it for so long. These things matter to you. You're involved.
0: Oh, so is this but, like is this like headed? Is this like eventually heading like a forty seven Ronin direction where it's like <laughs> screw it, like and now we're just out for uh, glorious dramatic revenge?
1: It's uh, it, it, no, it's it's more tragic than that. Uh, yeah, it's it's, a,
2: it's really it's a necessary. Brutal yeah. But they do feel vengeful, obviously. And that, I mean, especially in, in the mission that we were talking about before, uh, the, the setup, it, it, it would make anyone vengeful because not, it's not just what they're seeing, but they're there also to rescue uh, a friend who is being uh, shamed and will soon be killed. Uh, so there's personal stakes in, in that level as well. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that is where it really turned and got quite bleak.
0: Well, I'm glad uh, somebody finally made the uh, video game version of Samurai X Remem- Remembrance and Betrayal. Uh, shout out to my <laughs> shout out to uh, my anime friends. Shout out to Waypoint.
1: Hey, you've been hanging out with Waypoint too long.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, you know, as, as we come to the end here, like, it's rare where this abusive. Like, it, like, are we pretty much universally agreed that this is uh, one hell of a, a stealth tactics game? Yep.
1: Ninety two. <laughs> It'll be on my game of the year list at some point.
3: Wow. I, I submitted my list a little bit late, or I played this after I submitted my list last year, but it should have been on the list somewhere, I think. Well, so um,
0: wasn't it only formally released, like, technically in 2017? It, no, I it think was, it
2: came out right at the end of 2016. It yeah, was I think like it's December,
1: uh, December. Yeah.
3: Because I reviewed they, it they in did January. Release they did release a console version, okay. uh, I think, at the start of August. So you could, you could put this on your list this year oh, um, yeah. with that technicality. Um, I am interested in how it plays with the controller, but... Oh, well. Um, the other thing is tough. that this game um, didn't get a tremendous amount of press because last year was an extremely busy year for games. It comes out in December when everyone's kind of... Uh, doing their game of the year list and not necessarily paying attention to new releases, but this game just like dominated the Steam charts for a while, and it got to be uh where it is without the press. And this is not a you know crafting first-person uh Dinosaur everyone is riding. out to kill you simulator you like sure? that. Like that usually happens with the Steam, you know, your Rusts or your Arcs or um, whatever that become successes without much press this is this is a game that you know sh- should have and could have but it just didn't really seem to which i thought was interesting but it's I also mean,
2: overwhelmingly it- positive on steam so there's been no protest reviews or anything like that it's like one of the few things that hasn't had any sort of drama whatsoever just overwhelmingly positive it seems about right but don't read steam reviews they're garbage
1: they're terrible yeah <laughs> why would you do that yourself
2: uh
0: yeah, Steam, great platform, uh, and just a fantastic community uh, to to go with it. <laughs> uh, we're just a community worthy of the platform uh, and our global inter- interconnected world. <laughs> and do other news, Three M A now has a community on Steam. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, so I think we'll we'll leave it there. Uh, that will do it for this weekend.
3: we'll be back next uh, week for uh, I- another strategy discussion. Rowan. I- I have one little last recommendation if you have enjoyed Shadow Tactics. I just started Heat Signature, which kind of does very similar things, but in a procedurally generated fashion. But you still have this kind of starting murder chaos and seeing how the hell you can get out of it with a very distinct attempt to say, this game plays fast, you're going to fail a lot, and you're going to have fun doing it. Um, So yeah, if you enjoyed Shadow Tactics, take a look at that.
0: And we might be actually taking a, a look at Heat Sig uh, later this year. It's an incredibly busy year, uh, you know. Again, like it feels like we're saying this every year now. A uh, lot of strategy games that are very good, uh, and then if you're, you know, extending your focus beyond that, it's just ridiculous what you're trying to cram in uh, this year. But Shadow Tactics was definitely a uh, a really pleasant surprise, and so I'm going to be spending a lot more time with. Uh, I need to get to this. I need to get to this turn. Uh, Because I I do love me some uh, dark samurai noir. Oh, yeah. It gets this. Yep. All right. Uh, Anyway, Three Ways Ahead is produced, as always, by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community. at or follow us on twitter at twitter.com slash 3ma uh, Nick, uh, curiosity uh, have you done anything with uh, with, with Shadow Tactics? Uh, written anything? Is there anything you want to w- shout out here that, uh, is, uh, that you've done uh, in this space or uh, anything that you're going to be doing with Shadow Tactics?
1: Uh, I'll probably be putting a review up on my personal website. It's uh, www.nickcappazoli I'm not going to try to spell my last name out because I don't remember how it goes uh dot com um rob what do you think uh subterfuge game before the end of the year oh boy um
0: you, you know yeah, i we mean we're definitely probably that over busy the and stressed
1: out so we should you know probably play subterfuge
0: well i mean i think we're playing it now nick
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway
0: uh three moves ahead is supported by listeners just like you on patreon uh this topic in particular was brought to you by our patreon backers during our monthly topic vote you can learn more at patreon.com slash three anyway we'll be back next week with another episode of three moves ahead until then for nick fraser and rowan this is rob zachney saying good